Church Life Today podcast is a production of Redeemer Radio and the McGrath Institute for Church Life at the University of Notre Dame and is brought to you in part by Notre Dame FCU and our listeners. Welcome to Church Life Today, a production of the McGrath Institute for Church Life at the University of Notre Dame. I'm your host, Leonard DiLorenzo. In his 2018 World Communications Day address, Pope Francis spoke to the importance and dignity of journalism and the now widespread, much-talked-about problem of fake news. Against that backdrop, the Holy Father recalled the promise of Jesus that the truth will set us free. Wouldn't we all like a little more truth in our world, over our airwaves and online? But how do we find the truth we seek? That search must begin with prayer. And so Pope Francis offered a new version of an old beloved prayer popularly attributed to his namesake, St. Francis of Assisi. Pope Francis concluded his message by asking that the Lord make us instruments of his peace and then went line by line through the saint's prayer to mold it to the needs of our time for good, reliable, personal, and true communication. Our guest today was so taken with this message of Pope Francis and his renewed Franciscan prayer that he wrote a book about it. Bill Schmidt is a longtime journalist and communications specialist who also happens to be a third-order Franciscan. He is here with us to talk about journalism, Noise and Silence, Information and Formation, and his book, When Headlines Hurt, Do We Have a Prayer? Bill, welcome to the show. It's a very good uh, thing to be here with you, Lenny. So, Bill, uh, the Pope on World Communications Day, just uh, around Pentecost, had a message this year about fake news and about journalism in general. Yes. And you were taken by this and have done some writing about it. Can you tell us a little bit about the Pope's message on World Communications Day? Oh, yes. Well, it was the 52nd annual papal message on World Communications Day, inspired by a decree from Vatican II. And this one in particular struck me because it had uh, Franciscan overtones and very timely themes, Mm. which really touched on things that have been, I think, uh, concerning a lot of us, namely the rise of fake news, the rise of disinformation, the increase of polarization in our society and its conversations. So here was, amidst all of these concerns, a prominent and respected world leader speaking out and perhaps offering some suggestions, not only including some interesting points about journalism, but even a prayer with which he concluded his message. Mm -hmm. And paraphrasing the famous peace prayer of St. Francis in doing so, kind of implying that this is a big issue uh, and needing a big solution. And the Franciscan overtones certainly appeal to you, you yourself being a third-order Franciscan, yes. Franciscan, and that probably immediately tuned into that peace prayer of St. Francis. But he, that you have called it sort of version 1.0, the one that's, <laughs> that's attributed right. to St. Francis, and maybe uh, Pope Francis offered the peace prayer 2.0 that's right. about journalism. What, would, what did he offer as a prayer there for, uh, for journalism, for journalists, for how we think about our news? Uh, well, uh, very interestingly, it followed very much the model, the prototype 
of version one. Lord, wh- make me an instrument of your peace. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And uh, he tweaked that to say, Lord, make us instruments of your peace, which I thought was a powerful statement in itself, mm. because nowadays, if this is a prayer for journalism, one thing that he realizes is that in these technological ages, we're all journalists in a sense. We're all both uh, consumers and producers of news. Mm. We're kind of our own publishers, especially on social media. So I liked that aspect of it. And then he followed the model of Pope Francis uh, or the model of the Franciscanism expressed in version 1.0. Mm-hmm. It was, the, the prayer was actually written anonymously. Uh, but and, widely attributed to But widely Francis. attributed to Francis. And keeping with his spirit nonetheless. Very so, much so. Right. That was what was wonderful about it. Yeah. And so it basically is a guide for a big picture you might say human ecology, to, to quote our Pope, uh, perspective on prayer in that peace is a purpose for journalism, and it's a big-picture problem that requires a holistic approach, everything from uh, seeking faith where there's doubt and light where there's darkness. It's a big task. It's yeah. a big-picture view of how we can solve the problem. Not an easy or pious, overly pious view, but a very practical one. Mm. And you were taken by this so much that you wrote a small book on this, yes. uh, When Headlines Hurt, Do We Have a Prayer? <laughs> yes. And I suppose the answer to that question is, yes, we do have a prayer. <laughs> yes. The Pope has offered one. That's what excited me. Um, but one of the things you comment on is that uh, following Pope Francis's lead here, journalism itself is meant to be an instrument of peace. And yes. I think that would strike many of us as perhaps bizarre at this point because yeah. we, don't, we don't receive journalism and what's coming from the news as little seeds or modes of peace. But you're saying, no, this is in fact what journalism is meant to be. That's right. Yes. The Pope has several really quite uh, thought-provoking phrases. And one of them is uh, seeking a journalism of peace. And it's a, it's a journalism that's not intended to harm, mm. but is built around a pursuit of truth, and it's purposeful. It's uh, for preserving the dignity of the human being, gathering conversations together around which uh, people can talk about the news they've heard, the information that matters most to them. And too much of today's journalism, I'm afraid, is a journalism that's uh, the opposite of peaceful. It's it's, uh, defamatory. It's disinformation, Mm -hmm. it's fake news, as the Pope says. And these things are kind of not not purposely manipulated, perhaps, by the media themselves, but sometimes strategically prepackaged in the the lobbyist uh, halls of Washington, D.C., to point us against each other, to, Mm -hmm. uh, to actually weaponize the information being shared. And that's not the purpose of journalism, uh, I would think most people agree. And it's even there found in codes of ethics that journalists through the ages have have promulgated, including the Society of Professional Journalists Code of Ethics. Mm. I think we all find ourselves probably in this day and age, unfortunately, echoing a question of Pontius Pilate. What is truth? Oh, right? yes, in a exactly. In world of fake news, we find ourselves saying the same thing. What is truth? Yes. Um, and very much what the Pope is saying and what you're picking up on in this book is that journalism is meant to be in the service of truth, um, in the service of conveying and speaking in truth to bring people together in a bond of truth. Right. What is, so this is sort of a larger question, I suppose, like what is the truth that we're seeking in our news and being 
informed and being engaged and being um, sort of minded civically and socially and, and all these other ways? What is the truth we're seeking or that we're due from well, journalism? Well, that's, that is a very good question. And uh, truth is um, a conformity with reality. It's part of the higher version and vision of truth that Catholics are blessed with, that Christians are blessed with when Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Mm. There's something really substantive and personal about that. Mm. And so it is something that's concrete. And it's, it's, it's something that can unite people. It's something that stands above the fray and that we can be united in the pursuit of rather than the relativistic approach that, that you mentioned mm-hmm. uh, and a kind of narcissistic approach that uh, dominates too much in society where it's, uh, there is something that can unite us if we look for other people's perspectives, mm. uh, other sides of the truth, other dimensions of the truth, including outreach to the marginalized, I'm sure Pope Francis would, would point out. Who are often mute in the news. Amen. Muted. Yes. Done, done silence too. Exactly. Right. And there's been a lot of commentary about that, the information gap in our society, mm-hmm. for, for example. So yes, truth is the key, but in an age when truth has been somewhat marginalized and uh, we don't quite know what truth is all the time, at the very least, there are some things that I think Pope Francis says, and that I would certainly uh, believe, there are still things that can bring us together, one of them being the dignity of the human being, the, the chance for the individual and community to grow as they aspire to in their heart of hearts. And yeah, even if we don't quite know the, the details of a particular story or you know what might be the definitive truth, we need a sense of humility to know that, well, we're still on a journey where we're learning truth. And uh, the truth will come out as a as a gradual process. We just have to be looking for it all the time. Very good. You're listening to Church Life Today and Redeemer Radio. We're here talking with Bill Schmidt, author of When Headlines Hurt, Do We Have a Prayer? One of the things you talked about, so uh, in terms of truth, you're really stressing that it's personal communication. It's communication between persons that respects uh, the person being informed, but also comes from persons who have been formed in a certain way to serve the truth, the That's formation right. of journalists, let's yes. say. What do you think is important in terms of uh, the formation of journalists uh, to be servants of the truth, to really provide this public service? That, that's one of the most uh, exciting things that I think the, the Pope presents in his World Communications Day message, which he obviously gave a lot of thought to. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, he comes up with some very interesting phrases that are certainly worth pondering in journalism ethics classes and and other sociological studies of improving conversation in our time. One of them is the journalism of peace, which we've discussed. Mm-hmm. One of them is that journalists should be protectors of news, not letting it get hijacked by sloganeering mm-hmm. and by the prepackaged strategies that are so easily handed to these folks you know, still very well-meaning folks, so many wonderfully uh, well-intentioned people go into journalism still today. Mm -hmm. But uh, for all sorts of reasons, including the economics of the profession, everybody's looking to fill space. 
quickly with these uh, kind of oversimplifications. Everybody's looking for ratings. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of things militating against the protection of news, which, which uh, I take to mean avoiding these outbreaks of fake news mm. and the labeling that goes on with disinformation. The Pope says that, well, I, I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically says that disinformation is not a victimless crime. Not only does it hurt the individual against whom it's uh, brought, but also it kind of poisons the well of communication because uh, trust erodes. And soon we soon we see the conversation itself is kind of breaking down and people are scared to to engage themselves in the public square, in the uh, fray of problem solving, uh, which every citizen uh, deserves to be part of, is accountable to be part of. And lastly, a nice phrase that he uses is that the heart of information is people, is persons, and not the speed with which it's delivered or the impact that it might have. Mm -hmm. It is ultimately about persons, Information is not inseparable from formation. We have, all of us, a vocation to discovering more the the truth of ourselves and others and our uh, communities and polities. And that that leads to the last point, which is that it is all about community. It almost is an implicit reflection of what uh, the um, Catholic social teaching would uh, call uh, subsidiarity. We've become so obsessed with national news and the entertainment value of these major national uh, TV shows and pundits and, and all of that talking about the same old stuff every day, really. Right. We've forgotten that a lot of the information that we need to be exchanging with each other and pondering, mm-hmm. to use a wonderful word from Our Lady, the information kind of should bubble up from the grassroots uh, of the public square, of the local communities. And, of course, that's an area of economics such that uh, local newspapers and local media have suffered great cutbacks. And so what we're left is with these monoliths. And so we need to, uh, we need to, uh, journalists need to, uh, to contemplate, you know, where their true vocation is and where their true sources of news are. Right, right. So one of the things you're talking about there, it seems, is this 24-hour news cycle where yes. we have to continually fill space and time. Yes. And who owns the space and the time but these mass media corporations. And so uh, yes. our attention gets drawn farther and farther away from where we actually are into the big headlines of the day. So we end up knowing much more about what's going on in Washington, D.C. and halfway around the world sometimes than we do what's going on down the street in our own community. Yes. So this principle of subsidiarity. Yes. Do you think – there is the possibility of finding a space in between, on the one hand, mass media, right. and the other, on the other hand, completely user-generated material news that we find you know, just on social media where I'm a news creator and you're a news creator. Right. We're all news creators. Yes. Right? But many of us, unlike you, are untrained. <laughs> so where is there a space for the trained professional journalists who can serve this principle of subsidiarity between mass media and user-generated content. Yes, very much so, I think. And that's partly the job of our secular and Catholic uh, higher ed institutions Mm. as they teach journalism. They really need to teach some basic principles to both the uh, people who will make a career creating the news Mm -hmm. and the people who will live as 
uh, collectors of and conveyors of news to their own audiences. And uh, another aspect is that we all need to educate ourselves for truth. That's another term he uses, education for truth, which to me means actual discernment of what we're after. And what are we looking for when we go in search of the news? Are you saying that? Yes. Are we looking for sensationalism? Are we looking for entertainment? Mm -hmm. And what we're really looking for, I hope, is some kind of fulfillment of our natural God-given curiosity to learn more, to penetrate hidden truths more, and to thereby inform ourselves and to not let our thoughts be what uh, the term I use is newsjacked. In other words, now it's... (laughs) (laughs) So you can be carjacked. Exactly. In this case, you can be newsjacked. Exactly. Pretty scary idea. But I think it really does happen. And how uh, those uh, those so easy to remember sound bites and labels uh, dished out every night Mm. uh, on TV Mm -hmm. uh, can poison the well even at the local level if we're not careful. And we have to remember that news is happening all around us every day. A lot of it is very good. A lot of it is drawn from uh, civic life and family life, the things that genuinely concern us as human beings. And these things are, you know, the, the prime things that journalists and consumers of journalism should be learning. So it comes from maybe, maybe some schools who would care to do this, mm-hmm. but also pastors Uh, like St. Francis in his own pastoral heart and other people who start, who need to start talking about it. Yeah. You're listening to Church Life Today on Redeemer Radio. We're talking with Bill Schmidt, author of When Headlines Hurt, Do We Have a Prayer? You mentioned discernment there, the importance of discernment really for, for each of us as consumers, but also as producers of news. That's right. To ask the question, like, what are we looking for? It strikes me that the most important element of discernment, or let's say the element of discernment you can do, you cannot do without is silence. Well right? said. To be able yes. to listen, which means like to take breaks from the constant noise. The noise, exactly. So my question there is, is there too much news? Yeah. Are we, are we always just tuning in, listening to too much noise? And that gets in the way of our possibilities for discernment to really have a center where we're trying to uh, thoughtfully and authentically listen for things that matter. Yes. There have been all sorts of books and spiritual reflections and homilies mentioning this exact desperate need to to return a sense of silence mm-hmm. and ability to listen and an ability to ponder when we consume news yeah. and to kind of categorize the material that's really not going to take us anywhere constructive and the pieces that really could prompt new questions, Mm -hmm. new curiosity, new appreciation for God's gifts, also for God's presence in the journeys of individual lives Mm. because so often it's so easy now to condemn people or to judge people or to defame people merely based on one thing that's been heard, one piece of defamation that's been out there. And we really need to take that silent time and pray about the news. Mm. 
seem to be appealing to the skills that we unfortunately learn in middle school to let gossip rule the day. And so the news, yeah. the sort of news awareness becomes that, these little lines of misinformation that become the sort of gossip that form our consciences. That's and the right. silence is a break from that form of idolatry. Of well said, yes. Sort of worshiping uh, these little ideas that come along that oftentimes yes. aren't from a place of heart. Yes, yeah. that's a very good point. And uh, ironically, uh, you know, we've, we've, we've become much more these uh, wild and crazy generators of uh, ideas and memes and opinions. But at the same time, because of the torrent of information that's being thrown at us all the time, mm -hmm. I, what I call it is information inflation. In other words, <laughs> <laughs> there's yeah. so much of it yeah. that each individual piece of it yeah. Is less important in well, our and, and it causes, it stirs up sort of anxiety in each of us that yes, wants and, to speak, right? We have to say it louder and more spectacularly. <laughs> yes. Right? And we're yes. saying this on the radio, I recognize, you know, <laughs> with complete irony, right? Um, we'll start shouting here soon, folks. Don't worry. <laughs> to make sure that you can hear us. Um, yeah. Well, how about your own formation as a as a Franciscan. You've been a member of the Third Order Franciscan for quite some time. Yeah. Um, but you've also been a lifelong uh, communicator, a, a career in journalism, all kinds of, especially print media. Yeah. What, for you personally, what do you think has been important for you from that, from the Franciscan spirituality and your formation as a Franciscan to be a communicator who serves peace, wow. who uh, tries to build bridges of truth? Well, my very first impression there is that uh, whatever I say, please understand as an ongoing journey because I'm failing every day. Sure. Uh, <laughs> but I think that I did learn, especially because I was in the specialized, oftentimes the business or professional press uh -huh. uh, before coming uh, to the communications world in higher education. My, my emphasis was on communicating to lay people, but also to CEOs and, and scientists and, and others, a basic and a very accurate view of, you know, what's being learned without trying to make these punditry judgments, mm -hmm. because these folks really just want to know the facts, ma'am, as they, as they said on Dragnet, and <laughs> <laughs> just the facts. And so uh, I guess the Franciscan aspect of that that I, I tried to pick up and still try to pick up is the humility of a journalist, ideally, where it really is listening, it really is trying to understand, it really is trying to present a person's insights and information in a way that respects his or her dignity, mm -hmm. and that therefore empowers the readers or the viewers to take, take it from there. Mm -hmm. And whereas the, uh, the, the punditry could really uh, just short-circuit mm -hmm. the whole process of further learning. So humility. And then, of course, one might say penitence, because St. Francis certainly established the Third Order as an order of penitence. And that, that means that the search for truth is even harder than we might think, mm -hmm. because we're, we're going to be self-donating in our time and in our energy to try to make things better. That's that purpose-driven journalism. And so uh, if, I can, if I can just follow those basic rules and uh, ha stimulate discussions with other people mm -hmm. about those rules as a next step toward healing the uh, polarization in our society, et cetera, my book will have been a success. Mm, very good. How important has it been for you as a third order Franciscan 
to share that journey with others in the particular fraternity of which you're a part, mm. um, to be in real place in real time with people regularly, to yes. pray together, to speak together. We do have in our fraternity ongoing formation, small group circles of conversation uh, every month built around the gospel because the whole maxim of uh, Franciscanism is taking life to the gospel and gospel to life. Mm. And so a lot of very timely topics come up in connection with our reading of scripture, etc. And these folks seeing it uh, from their own nitty-gritty, everyday perspective Mm -hmm. of how peoples are consuming news, etc., they inspire me. And these are stories that are genuinely interesting and, frankly, much more interesting than the, uh, the labels and maxims that, uh, that come out of the, uh, the lobbyists' uh, strategic planning office. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, this strikes me as really important what you're saying because you were talking earlier about the need for subsidiarity to return to more local um, environments yes. uh, and local news. And I think what you're you're sharing is from this Franciscan spirituality and this fraternity, you're joining together regularly in small uh, faith-sharing groups around the gospel where you actually get to know your neighbor personally and not just be absorbed into the mass uh, production of slogans and headlines like you're saying. Exactly. So what a beautiful sort of antidote in the small way of the Franciscan tradition against what seems to be plaguing us so much. I I really have felt for a long time that Franciscanism is one of the cures for what ails us. And it really is part of the the simplicity, the humility, the the listening, the uh, uh, community building. And in both prayers one and two, the peace prayer one, the peace by prayer Saint one Fran- by attributed yeah, to Saint right. Francis, and point, point two by uh, Pope Francis. Right. Okay. It's just a very beautifully big picture approach to making peace. Everything from you know uh, filling in the gaps where there's doubt. Faith, where there's darkness, light. Mm -hmm. And you always have to be kind of aware of that. Uh, News consumers as well as news producers have to be conscious of that. And then that wonderful line, uh, Divine Master, help me to not so much be concerned with being understood, but understanding. Mm -hmm. And being not so much being consoled but consoling. Mm. So you really have to kind of place yourself as a journalist, I'm afraid. And this is tough because journalism attracts a lot of egos, naturally. And you need <laughs> you need strong egos to be good pundits, I guess. I'm in the academy. Lots of egos here. Too. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I guess it. they're everywhere. Yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but to take a step back, from, to break from that. Uh, the exactly. E- the, the grind of the ego and to have space for humility. Exactly. Yeah. Very exactly. Good. Well, I have benefited greatly from reading uh, your book Thank you uh, so and much. drawn uh, further attention to Pope Francis's message on World Communication Day and his prayer, the Franciscan prayer, yes. to make us instruments of peace in journalism. Bill, where can people find uh, the book or, or follow up on some of your thinking? Oh, well, thank you. The, uh, the book itself is available as a paperback and as an ebook uh, at Amazon. All, all folks have to do is search for When Headlines Hurt, mm-hmm. which is the first part of the name of the book. And uh, my blogs on those and other issues are at onward.net. That's purposely misspelled. Onward. Uh, onward. O-N-W-O-R-D. Dot net. Yes, exactly. Very good. And I hope uh, to continue conversations uh, across the board and very much appreciate this one. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for joining us today, Bill. Bill Schmidt, author of When Headlines Hurt, Do We Have a Prayer? Thanks to all of our listeners for joining us today. We'll talk to you next time.